Hey friends, we were never promised that life would be easy. Sometimes it is hard and super crazy, but when we do life together, we find that it becomes a lot easier and much more fun. I believe in joyful life, in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. I love to dig deep and talk about the really raw things that people are not always comfortable discussing. And I'm also passionate about sharing practical tips that have helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. We will laugh together and struggle together. You will hear honest insights on strengthening your faith and your marriage, parenthood, how to's, and so much more so that you can live life and live it with joy. I am Lindsay Maestas. Welcome to the Living Easy Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. I am thrilled to be here with you guys. I just got back from vacation. We were in Punta Cana in the Dominican Republic, and it was amazing. If you haven't seen my videos, you can see them on my Instagram at living easy with Lindsay. It was the most relaxing experience ever. It's a wellness resort. So anyway, not sponsored. I'm just sharing. But one of the things I would say if you're planning a trip there is to plan to be slow moving. It was, I think we were maybe the youngest people there, which was fine, but we were not expecting that. And so it was wonderful for me because I went with the goal of relaxation, rest, kind of refreshment, and also exercise. And so I was able to exercise there. They have yoga and Pilates on the beach. So I shared all of that. But it ties into what we're talking about today, which is overindulgence. And I thought about it on the trip, on the flight there, on the way home, just how easy it is for us, especially as Americans, to overindulge in the things that this world offers. And this doesn't have to be food. I know that throughout scripture, gluttony refers to food and we are focusing primarily on gluttony, but there are also so many other things in our world, such as entertainment, like movies and shows and just this constant distraction. And we have so much that we have been blessed with, but I think a lot of the time we don't know when to stop. We don't know when enough is enough, like money and success and fame and fortune, all of these things. We constantly are longing for more and we're striving endlessly and all that it does is exhaust us. And so that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. And if you are interested in this conversation, if you enjoy the topic, you can listen to Quarantine Episode 4 on my podcast. It's called Unique Self-Care Habits that every girl should have. And I discuss fasting and then also episode 38 about getting motivated to exercise and care for your body. So this episode is titled gluttony, emotional eating, fasting, and loving your body. Well, it's part of our seven deadly sins series. If you haven't listened to the other episodes, they are not all just focus on that one thing. I really dive into how each of these seven deadly sins ties into so many different aspects of our lives. So make sure to go back, listen through them, send to a friend, family member. And if you haven't rated and reviewed on iTunes or on Apple Podcasts, it would mean so much if you could take a second to do so. So we'll just jump in. As I said, I was really considering all this. Jesse and I talked about it a lot, the concept of overindulgence. And for us, our greatest struggle isn't so much food, though I will discuss my struggle with food. A lot of it is distraction. We overindulge 
in distraction. So I want you to stop and think. And as I say in all of the episodes, I don't want you thinking about your spouse, your husband, your wife, your friend, your sister. I want you to think about you and what are the areas that I share with you here that the Holy Spirit is leading you to work through? Where are you feeling a sense of conviction or of a challenge? You know, a lot of the time when we feel maybe a sense of shame or even of like frustration toward the topic being brought up, it can often be conviction within our hearts to say, hey, this is something you may need to deal with. So we'll talk about that. But distraction, overindulgence, these things are common in American culture. I honestly wasn't super thrilled about this episode because I've never thought much about gluttony, but it's really fascinating because gluttony from a non-believer's perspective is what a lot of non-Christians will use to criticize Christianity in the pulpit because they'll say, oh, you say don't have sex outside of marriage, but you can be 300 pounds behind a pulpit and you're not addressing that as an issue. And so it is something that maybe it causes people to stumble a little bit because we justify it within our culture. And obviously obesity runs rampant in our culture and we'll talk about that. But I think it's really interesting to think about not from a judgmental perspective because everyone has their own struggles, but is this something that we need to take more seriously within our Christian faith? So as I read through and researched and just did biblical studies about gluttony, I realized how much I personally resonate with the concept of emotional eating. And it really convicted me and encouraged me. And I hope that you feel the same way as you listen through this because Scripture is such a beautiful guideline for our lives that helps us to understand why we do the things that we do. But not only that, it gives us a way to pursue a heart change and to actually change the patterns that we've created. So as I always say, I am not preaching from a high horse. I am sharing with you the mess that I have in my own life and evaluating my heart. Psalm 26, 2 says, test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. And after listening to this episode and for me, after doing the research I've done, I pray that we will all just continue listening for the Holy Spirit's response in all of this. So I would go so far as to say, that gluttony is the most tolerated sin in the United States. And if we're honest with ourselves, most of us have some sort of unhealthy or maybe even dysfunctional relationship with food, whether that is overindulging with food or withholding ourselves from food. It is not a healthy, biblical, godly view of food. And we often find ourselves racing between like overstuffed stomachs where you just feel so full you can't move or crash diets when you're doing keto or Whole30 or paleo and constantly navigating different ways to lose weight. And it's really these black and whites that we are going from rather than having this biblical view of food. And as I read through scripture, God talks about food and drink in abundance. So it's not something, obviously it's a good thing. It's not something that he doesn't want us to enjoy He calls us to enjoy those things, but he has provided so much on this earth, the healthy vegetables, the healthy fruits, the meats, the grains, all of it for our enjoyment. But our society has turned food into chemically based, overly processed, GMO enhanced food that damages not only our bodies, but also our mental health. And so 
as we consider the issue of gluttony, my aim is not to shame you into filling your house with kale chips or veggies that just end up rotting in your fridge. I always joke with Jesse that we buy lettuce and then it rots in our fridge. We throw it away and we buy more lettuce. I'm like, we have to be more consistent with the things that we're eating and that we're buying and knowing what we will take so that we're not wasteful. But my aim through this, again, is not to just make you healthier. It's to use the language of Hebrews 13, 9, which is to strengthen your hearts with grace. So gluttony is not just a love of food. It's ultimately food worship. It's table idolatry, dinner, lunch, breakfast idolatry. It's more about the direction of our love than it is about the contents of our refrigerators. What I mean by this is, are we loving ourselves more than we are loving God? Are we withholding food? Are we punishing ourselves from food? Are we overindulging food because we are emotional? We can't control our emotions. We're struggling and we are not lifting our needs, our desires, our wants up to God. Instead, we are using food or the withholding of food as a way of controlling our lives. How do we shift this and how do we discipline our appetites? I want to start by sharing my own story of food reliance. So I really started thinking about this when I realized as a mom that when I was really overwhelmed, I would find myself going toward this pattern of eating late, late at night when the kids were asleep. And I justified it to myself as they're sleeping. It's quiet. Nobody's trying to steal my food, which was very real. But I started wondering, where is this coming from? My counselor always tells me, don't get frustrated or ashamed, get curious. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to get ashamed at myself or with myself. I'm going to get curious. Why am I doing this? Why do I go toward these foods? So I remembered in high school and in college, I would always get home from school and immediately put a frozen French bread pizza in the oven. It's my favorite kind. They're still my favorite. And I would pair it with a side of my favorite Greek dressing from a local restaurant in Albuquerque. And I would put tons of crushed peppers. When I say that, my friends know like my whole bowl is filled with crushed red peppers, probably more than the salad dressing. It's my favorite. And then paired that with my favorite chips. So very, very healthy. Um, Salt and vinegar chips, tortilla chips, whatever. And then I would sit in front of the TV and I would watch my favorite show, which I think at the time was Gilmore Girls or Food Network. And it was my comfort after a stressful day of societal pressure, stress with school. I found so much comfort in that food and in just the practice of sitting in front of the TV and eating lunch. And for me, I always had a really fast metabolism. So I didn't consider what I was doing to my body. I would do this every day, you guys. This is not healthy. I had no vegetables and I didn't eat at school. I would fill myself with like juices or coffee or teas and then come home and eat just that. So there was no health involved. And though I couldn't see it from the outside, I knew that inside I felt horrible. I would feel sick at night. I felt depressed, anxious, all these things, but I never associated it with the food that I was eating. And so it's really interesting as I think back and as I talk to friends and family as well about how our minds build a connection to food based on our emotions and our feelings. Because I found that in the moments when I have such a stressful day, especially as a mama, or I feel far more overwhelmed than I usually do, 
all that I want is to eat that frozen pizza in front of a TV. And it's like this immediate response that I don't even think about. It's just what my body tells me that I need. And it's almost like what I shared about with the pornography episode, the past episode about lust, how our brains create this pathway that says nothing else is going to give you your desired response aside from this thing. And for me, it's that pizza, apparently, or chips. And if you know anything about me, you know how much I love chips. And when I say I love chips, you guys, you have no idea how much I love chips. Like I would pick that for breakfast, lunch, dinner every single day. I will down a family size bag. (laughs) I'm embarrassed saying this. A family size bag of salt and vinegar chips within minutes. Like it doesn't take me a second. Jesse always comes in and he's like, no way. Like there's no way, not shaming me, but joking. Like there's no way you finish that whole thing. And my response is almost always, I had a bad day. I had a hard day. And so he laughs at me and he's like, you're going to regret that. And I always do because I feel awful every single time. I know based on a body mass index scale, I'm not obese, but that's what I'm trying to reiterate on this episode is that gluttony is not equivalent to obesity or weight gain or anything else. It is a heart issue. It's the way that we view and treat food in our lives. So obesity itself is a physical issue and gluttony leads to obesity. And there are many quote unquote skinny people who binge eat or punish themselves with food or emotionally eat or live a gluttonous lifestyle. So I would define gluttony based on biblical definition as the enjoyment of food that has become untethered from contentment in God as the governing love of our life. I'm going to say that again. Gluttony is the enjoyment of food, which has become untethered from contentment in God as the governing love of our life. So in other words, as long as contentment in God is fading or it is not sufficient in our hearts, food begins to take its place and then we begin moving toward gluttony. So as Paul warned in Philippians 3.19, their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. So gluttony is not a light matter. He is using this to say these are this is an earthly thing. This is glorying, glorifying, living in your shame. So we may joke about it, about how much we eat or don't eat or you know, I feel like every conversation with women somehow turns back to food or weight loss or exercise or something. And these things can become so idolatrous, you know, and I always wondered kind of as I grew up, you know, people who would say, oh, I can't eat that or I'm not eating that or I'm not. And I think that our culture is really moving away from food punishment and food withholding, which I'm so thankful for because it always made me really sad for people. However, I didn't struggle with weight gain. And now as my body and my metabolism are slowing down, I'm realizing, oh, I get it. I am finding myself withholding. But what that does is the withholding or the overindulgence really pulls us away from the ultimate thing, which is a love for God, for the food he has provided for us, and the willingness and desire to care for the body, the tomb that he has entrusted us with. It becomes a control factor. All we want is to control our appearance, vanity, control the way that we appear to others, which is people-pleasing, and also our emotions, which is control. So if we have a heart fully set on Christ that is not untethered from contentment in God, but is fully tethered to contentment in Christ, 
do we then have more control? I think so. I think that the Holy Spirit, Scripture says the Holy Spirit gives us self-control. The problem that we find a lot of the time when it comes to discussion about weight or the way that we view our bodies, the way that we feed our bodies is an idolatry issue and is a severe problem of self-control and self-indulgence, which uncovers a heart that finds satisfaction in our plates rather than in Jesus. And throughout scripture, Jesus talks about not being a slave to anything in this world, right? And I have had so many moments when I've relied upon food instead of Jesus, instead of on the word to satisfy that loneliness in my life or the boredom in my life or the sadness in my life. I'm using that as a factor to satisfy rather than saying, okay, Lord, your word is my bread of life. Your word is the living water. These are the things that satisfy. I don't want to be enslaved to my food, my plate, thinking about what the next thing I eat is or don't eat is. 1 Corinthians 6, 12 reads, everything is permissible for me, but not all things are beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. So another way to say this is, You say, Lord, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for me. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I should not become a slave to anything. Food is good. It is a natural gift from God to be enjoyed. We need it. We need sustenance. We need energy. But when we become enslaved to it, it loses its goodness and becomes sinful. So there are many references and analogies within scripture about food, taste, and drink that Jesus himself gave. I want to share a few of those verses. One, Psalm 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. So the taste is referring to Christ. And and that's what we do within church, within communion, is we eat the bread in remembrance of him and his body. And then we drink the juice or wine in remembrance of his blood. So we are tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. First Peter 2, 2, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. John 6, 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger and whoever believes in me will never thirst. John 4, 14, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So food and drink are good gifts, but we don't want to lose the goodness of it. So how do we resolve this? If you find yourself constantly consumed with idea of food or lack of food or weight or body image, there are two things that we must practice, two biblical disciplines that can change our hearts toward food. One is that of self-denial and the second discipline is fasting. So the pure godly enjoyment of food is to not be enslaved by anything, to deny yourself and take up your cross. It's to esteem and cherish the biblical teaching that the Christian life is one of confronting our cravings and saying no to them. This is not only with food. This is with every other deadly sin that we've talked about from lust and pornography to anger. There are temptations within us to give into these things. But with the access that we have to food within our own homes, it makes it so easy for us to either abstain from food in a way that is unhealthy or to give in to the temptation of food in a way that is unhealthy. So how are we confronting our cravings and saying no to them? 
it is not always going to be with a no, like a firm no, as we talked about in the last episode. The main way to fight the craving that we do not want to have is to experience higher cravings. So when you're standing at your fridge or your pantry, and if you're giving yourself free reign to overindulge, to be gluttonous, and you struggle with that overconsumption or emotional eating, you would likely binge and eat everything that your eyes see. You're not going to take the time to pause. You're going to say, this sounds good. I want this thing. It will satisfy me, so I'm going to do it. And then you end up feeling guilty because you've overindulged and you've binged. So how do you know if you're doing this? Number one, you're doing this if you're using food as an escape from your life. Number two, you're becoming indifferent to the harmful effects that gluttonous eating is having on your body. As I said with my my chips and my pizza, I didn't care about what was going on inside of my body as long as I had that thing to make me feel better emotionally. Number three, you become indifferent to the amount of money you're spending on food, which you are using not only to satisfy hunger, but to satisfy loneliness or boredom. Number four, you stop tasting the goodness of God and you replace the goodness of God with the goodness of the food. So a lot of behavior change comes from understanding why we do the things that we do and I've done so much research trying to understand this concept because it's so interesting that it is an immediate trigger for us because it's something that we desperately need, which is food, but it's also something that we desperately struggle with. So why do we binge? Why do we overconsume? Number one, we are bored. And food often feels like the only thing that is satisfying to us in that moment. It is also very quick. So it is a quick satisfaction. We are all into instantaneous responses these days. We want immediate satisfaction and food provides that for us. So if you think about it this way, even after we eat, we don't have anything more exciting to do. Food is often the center of our day. You go to brunch with friends, you plan a lunch during work, everybody looks forward to lunch. And then dinner, you're coming home, you get to be home from work or from a busy day or your spouse comes home. It is an enjoyable part of the day. So it is the most exciting part of our day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, almost always. When food is the center of our day, It is hard to not make that the pivotal moment that consumes our minds. We wonder what we're eating, when we're going to eat it, who we're eating with, what it's going to taste like, what we're going to order. I am a Yelp fanatic and I'm constantly looking through to see new restaurants in Nashville and where I want to go and what I want to try and I save them to categories and it's like so fun for me. And so I realized, I'm like, gosh, I think about this a lot and while it's part of my job and also I'm just a foodie by nature, I have to step back and say like, am I spending that same amount of time thinking about what I want to eat or what I'm excited to do, even if it's just a bonding experience, as much as I'm spending time with Jesus? Usually not actually. Like if I'm honest with myself, I probably look up new places to take my friends and to go and have brunch than I do in the word. What can help that, the excitement, is to create and foster an appetite for many different things. It's not just food, so that food isn't the most exciting part of your day. What is something after lunch or after dinner that would excite you as much as or more than food? Number two, find something that is not based around food to do with friends or family. I have this amazing friend, Alana, and anytime I would make plans with her, I'm like, let's go get sushi or let's go do this. And she's like, how about let's go run the academy, which is like a three mile run. 
or how about we go on a walk or how about we go hiking? And she would always find an alternative. And she even told me multiple times, like, I try to structure my time with my friends around things other than food because it just becomes very consuming when it's always based around food. And I had never thought about that before, but it was so pivotal for me to where now I try to find other things that I can do with people that is not solely based around food, whether it's board games or Mario Kart or going on a walk or going on a hike or going to the lake, just finding things that don't revolve solely around eating, but you can still find excitement and enjoyment in those things. Number three, lastly, number three, cultivate a range of appetites for great things and good things because life is not always satisfying enough and food is always there. So when life doesn't feel satisfying, we jump to the food or to the withholding of food because, and I I know that this might seem confusing to some people, but I have met friends who really struggle with abstaining from food. They punish themselves by not eating. And so it's this sense of control over their lives when they don't feel like they're happy. They go in the pantry and they say, if I punish my body, almost, I mean, similarly to cutting yourself, it's like that feeling something. You want to feel something. Though it is harming the temple that God has given you, you're still in control. And what that is doing is putting yourself in control of yourself rather than giving control over to God and asking him for his will and asking him for the self-control that the Holy Spirit gives you. So when life doesn't feel satisfying enough, we have to cultivate that love for other things. And this can be anything. It can be good books. That's been my new love lately, just good literature, an appetite for fellowship with people, for reading the Bible, an appetite for success or for growth in your work, for being active, for moving your body or Um, an appetite for being out in creation and in nature. And it's not going to be easy because it is that immediate satisfaction. And going for a hike is a process. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes planning. But as you become more familiar with it, it becomes easier. Practice makes perfect, as I always tell my boys. And so you have to be intentional to say, okay, I'm going to find satisfaction in exercise. I'm going to find satisfaction in being out in my front yard even with bare feet and standing in soil because it connects me and helps me to just feel more grounded and present. It is important for us to remember that nothing good ever comes easily. And I've been working out consistently for the past five weeks, and I can tell you that almost every single day for the first three weeks, I did not want to do it. I was begrudgingly doing it. I was lazily doing it. I was frustratedly doing it. I just didn't want to. But now, after the three-week mark, I feel like I have to do it. My body, my mindset are shifting. The time that I took away even in Punta Cana, I felt like slothful and lazy and just like something was wrong. So now I'm craving it. I'm desiring it, that endorphin rush and the feeling of accomplishment and satisfaction. I look forward to seeing the progress that I'm making, that my body is making when I wake up in the morning rather than dreading the mirror and the clothes that I have to put on. I find myself longing to be outside more, to be more active, And that just took time. It took consistency in a decision to find the good and the satisfaction in those hard things that take effort, but the satisfaction and the accomplishment are far greater than what we feel when we sit down with a meal. 
A lot of the time when we overindulge or binge, we end up with feelings of shame or regret. And that's because it is something that was a good thing that turned into a not so good thing. So what is something that is a good thing in your life that you can create this appetite for that only becomes a better thing? How else can we find satisfaction? Make Jesus the Lord of the table, which means that the table is no longer your Lord. Not only has Jesus cleansed you from the stain of gluttony by dying on the cross, he's also freed you from its power. A lot of the time we feel like I just can't do it. It's too strong. It has too much of a hold on me, whether it's body image issues or obesity or overindulgence. We feel like it has this claim on us. But when Jesus died, he died for these things, these specific things. He knows you by your name. He knows the number of hairs on your head. And we died with him. And as Paul writes in Galatians 5.24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So I think oftentimes, you guys, we indulge these excessive cravings for food because we feel powerless to do anything else. And we have to remember that just as Jesus did in the temple during his ministry, He overturned those idolatrous tables, and those idolatrous tables also are those tables in our hearts, driving out our greedy cravings. And the greed comes from knowing that we are often satisfied far before we complete a meal, and we just keep indulging. We keep indulging because it satisfies that that pathway in our mind that says we need it. But we do not have to serve our stomachs any longer because we are free. Repentance is free, and it's healing, and Christ died for that. And lastly, and this is in closing, the practice of fasting. And I really want to reiterate this. And that's why I talked about also going back to quarantine episode four, because I talk about the power of fasting. It is not only beneficial for your body. If you research fasting in different cultures, aside from the US, you know, there is this really, really heavy impact on fasting. I recently watched a documentary where I wish I remembered the name of the culture, but they, or country, but they fasted for almost 175 days of the year. That is a lot. That is half of the year. And it's because not only did it get them to a place where they said, okay, Lord, you are the Lord of my life. Food is not. It helps them to understand their hunger cues, their hunger cravings, what is actually needed to go into their body and to just stay grounded and focused. I always think that it's wise to come back to fasting as regularly as you can, not as an act of punishment, but as an act of worship. One of the most neglected spiritual disciplines in America as a Christian is fasting. Fasting is not about losing weight. It is about stirring affection for Jesus in our hearts. It is more than the ultimate crash diet for the body. It is abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. So if you're fasting merely for fitness and health, I just want to challenge and encourage you to focus your heart on worship instead. Because if it's solely for weight loss, your lack of eating is going to reinforce your idolatrous desire for a worldly standard, whether that's beauty or appearance or weight loss. The worldly aim is not going to be permanent. It's going to be temporary. It's not going to last. And it actually just reinforces these patterns of sinful desire or overindulgence or punishment of our bodies by abstaining from food rather than remedying the problem that we are facing. So we have to be sure that it is an act of worship, an act of glorifying God, an act of saying, Lord, you are in control of my life, of my body, of my needs. And when we're hungry, when we're thirsty, we have to, and we want to like satisfy that need. 
it is an amazing cue for us to say, go get in the word. And that's how I do it. When I'm feeling hungry, I go and get in the word when I'm committed to fasting. When I want to have a cup of coffee, Lord, give me energy. I sit in prayer and I ask the Holy Spirit to fill my heart. So allowing ourselves to take control of the gluttonous thoughts through the power of the Holy Spirit and redirecting the appetite to something more constructive. If we are always full with food or drink or always hungry, we become overconfident in that sense of control and in our own abilities. And then we forget about spiritual growth. We forget about worship. We forget that everything that we have is a gift from God, from heaven for us to worship him in return. Food has not been given to us for us to simply live satisfied and lazy. It has been given to us for us to use for energy purposes, to pour back into people and the children of God, to make disciples, to share the word of God, to share the gospel, to love others, to love our neighbors. We have to ensure that our fasting increases our hunger for spirituality more than anything else. And you guys, as we cultivate and we nurture the satisfaction that we have in Christ, we're also going to be praying earnestly for God to replace that satisfaction that we receive from food to be a satisfaction that we find in him and the other joys of life that he provides. And so you guys, in closing, I just want to encourage your hearts today that if this is a struggle, it is not too far gone. You do not have to worry or stress or strain knowing that the Holy Spirit has control over the way that you respond to things, that it can change your heart through repentance and change. And as we cultivate and nurture our satisfaction in Jesus, We can also pray earnestly for God to replace that satisfaction that we receive from food to then be a satisfaction that we find in him alone and in the joys that he provides in our lives. So if this encouraged you today, um, make sure to screen record and share on your stories or share a quote from the episode. Share with a friend or family member who may struggle with body image or food because ultimately our body is a temple. It was given to us by God. He loves, he cares for us. He knows every detail of our bodies and he desires for us to use that body to glorify him. So how can we shift our perspective? How can we repent and move forward from bad habits or idolatrous ways that we've created with our food and with our body image and change it and shift it to one of worshiping the Lord? I love you guys. Love you so, so much. And I will talk to you next Tuesday. Bye.